0: It's from Genesis 25:19 through 34. These are the descendants of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel the Aramean of Padam Aram, sister of Laban the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his prayer, and his wife Rebekah conceived. The children struggled together within her, and she said, If it is to be this way, why do I live? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples born of you shall be divided, and one shall be stronger than the other. The elder shall serve the younger.
1: When her time came to give birth, when her time came to give birth was at hand, There were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy mantle. So they named him Esau. Afterwards, his brother came out with his hand gripping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man living in the tents. Isaac loved Esau because he was fond of game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once, when Jacob was cooking a stew, Esau came in from the fields and he was famished. Esau said to Jacob, Let me eat some of that red stuff, for I am famished. Uh, Jacob said, First, sell, sell me your birthright. Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, Swear to me first. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil soup, and he ate and drank, and rose and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks 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 be be to to God. God. Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Genesis is a fantastic book in the bible it is wonderful and complex and filled with information when you're studying any book of the bible when you're reading scripture you're always having three different parts going on you read scripture and you think what is this that i'm reading say about god what is what i'm reading say about humanity And what is what I'm reading, say, about the relationship between God and humanity? And almost every sentence in Genesis has something about all those relationships. Genesis is a book of origins. It's not only the creation of the world and the creation of humanity, but it's the creation of the map, the very setup of the people that Israel knew you'll see that it it tells you how Israel itself was set up. It's going to show you how the tribes were set up. It also explains the origin of Israel's frenemies. Not exactly their enemies, sometimes their trading partners, but also it shows you the origins of some of their enemies. It tells you about a people called the Edomites. So they tell you a story of Jacob, who will be the father of all 12 tribes of Israel. And then they tell you the story of his brother Esau, who was born with red hair. And the word red has an ending in it that is very similar to uh, the word Edom. And then he eats a porridge soup kind of thing that the Hebrew writer that wrote this thought he was very punny. And he wrote the word for it that was very uncommonly used. And the only word that when they translated it later into Latin and then later into English that they could find was pottage. It's not even a word used for soup or stew. It's only used for pottage. So it's a very unusual word that they use. But he had to use that because it was the only word that would go with red. So he used that word for pottage that we now work as sue and stew so that the two of them together would come out and say Edom. So that we know that Esau is the father of the Edomites. And why do we want to know that? Because the Edomites are south of Israel. And when this kingdom was in control of that land and the slaves were escaping from Egypt and they asked the Edomites if they could walk across their territory. The Edomites said no. And the Edomites said, you got to go around us. We're not getting involved in this. No way, no how. Do we want Egypt to know that you crossed our land unchallenged? And so Israelites have cursed the Edomites since. And why do they say it's okay? Not only because the Edomites said, no way, but they said, well, and their their origin is from Esau, so we know he was bad in the beginning. He cursed his birthright. So we have every right to hate the Edomites. Not only is it a geopolitical issue, but it's a faith-based issue. God didn't like them either, so we can hate them. So you see a lot of that in Genesis of explaining where these different maps are and why these different people occur where they are. So when you're reading the story, know again always when you're reading Genesis, think about who these stories were first told to and kind of put yourself in that place. Think about being in the living room or outside or around the fire and having your elders tell you the story of your people, who you are. And that's how you learn about your faith, is you hear those stories over and over and over again, and that's where you learn your faith. And those stories eventually got written down, and we bring them into Sunday school classes. But originally, those were the stories that you wanted grandpa to tell you, and you wanted grandma to tell you, and that's where you heard them, and that's where these stories came from. So we've got the story of Jacob, and we've got the story of Esau, and we've learned that when Rebecca was pregnant, these two were going at it in her womb, and they were fighting big time, and they were going at it, and she was uncomfortable, and she was so uncomfortable that even though she had been barren for twenty years, and her and Jacob, uh, her and. Um, Isaac had, (laughs) thank you, (laughs) my prompter off, Isaac, her and Isaac had been praying for a baby. She had had enough, and so she goes to God, and she's like, God, I don't want this. I know I was praying for it, but I do not want this, and God answered her in detail. Where is he when I'm asking him things? I don't have a burning bush in my yard. Nobody's telling me answers, but he's like, hey. You got two nations that are struggling in you. They are going to be two people. One is going to be stronger. The the youngest is going to serve the oldest. So she knew what she was getting into, and she knew it was not going to be easy, and she knew that during the birth when they came out together. I don't know. I only had one kid at a time, but I cannot imagine one coming out, hanging on to the other. Wow, she had to be in a bad mood after that. So we've got Esau as a man of the land and he likes going out and he likes hunting and fishing. And we've got Jacob who is the man that likes to hang out in the tents. And he, you know, I don't know what he's doing. He's just hanging out in the tents and learning how to make a really good stew. But he knows how to manage the accounts. I'm assuming he's learning how to deal with the land and he's dealing with the books and he's dealing with the servants and he's dealing with all that stuff. And they're just... They don't get along with each other at all. Mom likes one, dad likes the other. Yeah, that's kind of normal, isn't it? I know we all say, we love you just the same. You're just the same to us. But you know, there's always one that you're kind of like, well, I get along with you a little better because when you're screaming at me, I'm not hearing myself come back at me. This whole week when we were together, with our kids, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking about Genesis, and I've got Jamie absolutely just, her head, I thought was going to explode in the middle of science and industry, because um, Bobby, who is her in a male miniature form, <laughs> is like completely melting down every other minute, and he's screaming, I'm hungry, and then you give him food, and he goes, I don't want to eat that, and then and then we would take Jamie out to dinner and Bobby would look at the food and go, I don't want to eat that. And we'd serve Jamie her food and she'd look at it and go, I don't want to eat this. And then she'd yell, Mom, why won't you eat? I'm like, I have no idea. Jamie didn't eat one thing that we ordered her when she went out for dinner and she couldn't figure out why her son wouldn't eat when we went out for dinner. This is what we're seeing in the Bible. 5,000 years ago, the kids are fighting. Jamie and Erica... I bought a lot of margaritas to keep those girls happy. I'm telling you now. It's been happening all the time. But what I found really interesting about this story is that God tells her that, Rebecca, there's going to be struggle. He doesn't say it's a bad thing, though, does he? He doesn't say there's going to be horrible struggle and this shows that there's the end of the world. He just says there's going to be struggle. One person, one people is going to struggle with another people. And we see that now. There's been struggle from the beginning of time. Adam and Eve had struggle in the garden when the, the, the snake got in the middle of it and Adam, um, Adam threw Eve right under that bias. And then there was struggle when they had to leave the garden and the cherubims with the flaming swords and all that stuff. We've had struggle from that day forward. But doesn't always bring out the worst in us. When does our church grow the most? When we're struggling against something? When do you learn the most? When you're struggling against something? When you learn the most is when you're teaching something, isn't it? You're struggling to make sure that the ones that you're teaching know the most, and they're usually making you a little crazy. So, you got to make sure you really make what you're teaching them interesting and they're excited about it. And you're usually, I'm just thinking about when I was teaching confirmation, and you get that, whatever. And you're trying desperately to teach them something that they're, like, excited about. So you're looking for everything to do, and you're, it's a struggle. Every day you walk in that classroom to make them excited about Jesus Christ and John Wesley, and you're looking for everything. It's a struggle. But you learn the most. When did Christianity grow the most? When it was in a struggle against everything else in the world. It grew The most. Where is Christianity growing the fastest and the greatest now? In Africa. Where it's a struggle every day to survive. Where it's a struggle every day to grow. It grows the most. Where do we as human beings grow the best? Sometimes where it's a struggle. Where we find ourselves going up against the worst in life. Y'all know that We've had struggles. You all know that when Jamie made that horrible decision and tried killing herself, that that was the lowest point in our lives, and that is a struggle if God said, hey, I'm going to give you two choices, Dean Eric. You can either have this one where your 15-year-old becomes completely mentally ill and tries killing herself, or we'll give you option two, and you can have a 15-year-old that's on the honor society and a cheerleader, which one would you rather have? Eric and I would go, cheerleader! But our family would not be where it is today. We would not have learned what we have today. We would not have the relationship we would have today. I would have never had the ministry that I had with so many people that were so hurt and broken from that type of event that happened in their family, Jamie would not have saved two people's lives because they came to her because they knew she understood their pain. And she was able to get them to a hospital where they could have their lives saved before they took that step. That struggle made all the difference in the world, and I praise God every day that she lived to survive that struggle. But without that struggle, we would never be here today. During that time, I would have told God anything to get us out of that struggle, and the language I used on God during that struggle, I'm going to have to answer for. He was not my friend. He was my salvation. but whoa, he was not my friend at that time. And God knew it. And God loved me through it. Those are the struggles. When we increasingly send police officers into harm's way, when we increasingly send firemen into harm's way, when we watch on the news and we see that there are crazy people lighting the western part of our country on fire, and firemen are out there, and they're getting shot at. And suddenly, people out of nowhere are coming to protect the firemen. That shows you the best out of struggle because that's showing you that people that normally would have just stepped back and done absolutely nothing are finding that within them, there is a greater part of them. They are no longer sitting and watching a struggle take place on TV. They are no longer sitting and saying, oh, well, somebody else will do it. They're stepping forward and finding out that God gave them the resources within themselves to take care of something that they didn't know they can do. Who here saw the story on TV about that human chain? In Florida, that is struggle. Two kids were out in the water, and that riptide came out. And then they started floating away. And two women who happened to be married saw it. And they went out to get the kids. And then they get caught in the riptide. And they start screaming for help. And a man and a woman who happened to be married saw that. And they knew they didn't want to get caught in the riptide. So they go out and the man starts yelling, we need a human chain. We need a human chain. And people just start hooking hands hooking arms. And we know it's 80 because some people did and some people stood back to videotape it. which you know, it's, uh, it's going to be. But as they needed longer and longer, people just went in. And you know what? Nobody yelled, are you a gay married couple? I can't hold your hand. Did you vote for Trump or did you vote for Hillary? I don't know. Are you Christian, Jew or Muslim? Nobody was yelling that at each other. Nobody said, I can't hold your hand. I don't know. Are you from a blue state or red state? I'm not sure. They just held hands because they were called to do that for a higher calling. That struggle came, they were struggling against nature to save fellow human beings. They didn't care anything about them other than they were the children of God and they were called by another child of God to save a fellow human being. And when it was done, did they stay around and just high-five each other and wait for the the TV trucks to show up? No. The TV reporters had, they were just insane because they couldn't track down these people. All of these people in this chain like disappeared, poof. They went their own way. They did what they were called to do. They were thrilled about it. The people were safe. They were in the hospital. And that was it. And the one guy that they did track down, because everybody said, well, that guy called me, so I went not help. He's like, I'm not a hero. Everybody came in and helped. I just yelled. That's all I did. That is overcoming struggle. And then last week, There was two cars that were doing a drag race when an entire minivan full of family members got in the way by actually driving the right way on the road. Two cars, one was on the right side of the road, one was on the wrong side of the road, started going down the road, and the minivan happened to come up the road at the same time, and they hit it, and they flipped the minivan, and it rolled over three times and ended up on the roof. Eric and I spent... Way too much time in a minivan. Where you are in the front, in the middle, the kids are in the way back, you cannot move. You just cannot move. Nanny's knees got smushed. I couldn't move them at all. You can't move out of there. I can't imagine being flipped three times, then being upside down with kids in car seats. What happened? People stopped in the middle of the road and they physically turned a minivan filled with people over. Called the police, everybody was unharmed. But a group of people got out of their cars and turned a minivan full of people over and then left and went on their way. That is struggle. When God told Rebecca that she was going to have nations that struggled in her, he didn't say that was a bad thing. He just said people are going to struggle. So when we hear God saying there's going to be struggle, He's just saying that's how we're going to learn. We're not going to learn by being like the characters in Wally where you see those people just floating around in the chairs and they do nothing. That's not how we learn. We always have to struggle against something. How do we get up in the morning and go? We have to be challenged in our lives. That's how our brains work. We have to find some way of learning, of moving forward. If things are too easy in our lives, we become complacent. So we have to find something to move against, to work against, to work towards. We have to find a goal. And in this world... In this world, in this world that is so fallen and so evil and so filled with poverty, we can always find something that we are struggling against or working for. It is not hard to do. In this town, we saw last week that house that uh, Hammer and Nails did that porch on. What they didn't show you is the two-story porch which was so wobbly that a mouse couldn't walk up on it without having a hard hat. Because I could take one hand and shake it. It was that bad a shape. But decisions had to be made. What could we fix? And we can't do our entire house. That would be a Habitat for Humanity project. So what can we fix and what can we do? How do we make a difference in our community to keep the shootings down and the feeling of love and security up? How do we tackle 25% poverty in Rockford? How do we do that and maintain people feeling independent and powerful in their own right so that they don't feel like we're coming in and telling them, well, sweetie, I know you're a sad case. I'll make it feel better. How do we do it so that they feel good about Feel empowered, And we're helping them move forward, not making them feel stupid and bad and we'll just give you a hamburger. We're not going to give you a hand up. There's a struggle in everything we do because it's not just making things go away. It's making things better by giving hands up and helping our brothers and sisters and helping our children so that they all feel like they are part of the solution not part of the problem that we throw money at. That's a struggle. You're looking for a struggle. They are out there. Arlene is part of the struggle in the court system. I don't even want to know half the stories she can tell. We've got people in here that do the struggle every day. There are struggles out there. God calls us to be part of the struggle. How can we be part of the struggle in this world? How can we go out and be engaged in our community, in our world? Or if we physically are unable to do that, how can we support those that by being part of it behind the scenes? And it doesn't always have to be nasty. We did something that was beautiful. We had the iftar dinner here. was beautiful it was lovely it was fun but you know what that was part of the struggle because we said we are opening up and we're inviting everyone in doesn't matter if you're Christian if you're universalist if you're Jewish if you're Muslim everyone is invited into this church that was part of the struggle that's showing that there is love that is greater than hate That we're all breaking bread together and it is a time of love and celebration. And that is part of the struggle in a world that wants to classify everybody in their own little box and keep you there. So find a way to be part of the struggle. God said the world's going to be part of a struggle. He did not say it's a bad thing. So be Part of the struggle for the good. Be part of those that are going to be powerful. Be part of those that help those that are not powerful get part of that power to move it forward in this world. Be part of that joyous struggle so that we can move this world in a direction that reflects all of the love and the peace and the grace of God. That reflects the blessings that are in your life or the blessings that you've always wanted in your life. Take whatever struggles you've had in your life that have been hard and harsh and use what you've learned from them for good. Use whatever lessons you have to help someone else out. Use whatever pain you've been in to connect with somebody else that's been in that pain and help them forward. Use every gift you've been given and think of it as a gift so that someone else that might be going through a struggle can benefit from you being a survivor and helping them being a survivor as well. Amen.